Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey everybody, I want to talk with you today a little bit on our first official Mavericks and Misfit podcast. I want to talk to you a little bit about the foundation of uh, how I think about the kingdom, um, about truth, about how we are to live as Christians and how our churches, local churches, are supposed to be situated for life, ministry, koinonia, fellowship, and how, how do we represent the kingdom of God. And I want to bring you this podcast that I've called Remarrying Word and spirit. When I was a boy, my parents obviously were, they were married. And when I was about uh, three and a half, four years old, uh, they divorced. So uh, I, as many of you are, grew up in a broken home. But here's the interesting thing. After they divorced, they reconciled. And so I went through a period of time where my dad was gone, but, and I lived only with my mom, saw my dad occasionally, but then dad came back and my parents remarried each other. It's a very interesting thing to go through a family union unit that's intact, that family unit breaking apart, and then that family unit becoming intact again. Well, that's actually a metaphor for what I have seen happen in the church today. I believe there has been a great divorce in the church. If you look at the first century church, they really had two primary things that governed everything that they did, um, how they related to one another, how they related to God, how they ministered and operated as the body of Christ. They were governed by two things, apostolic doctrine and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that apostolic doctrine would have been the authoritative words of God as he spoke through apostles, prophets, and those became the writings of the New Testament. And so I would use that phrase, apostolic doctrine, as a representation of the authority of the word of God, both Old and New Testaments for us. Um, I believe that the authority of the word of God is foundational. It's a non-negotiable in the kingdom. If we are Christians, we are Jesus followers, seeking to glorify him, seeking to represent him to each other and to a lost and dying world, then we must have the authority of the word of God undergirding everything we do. However, let me tell you this. The other thing you see in the first century was not just that they had apostolic doctrine, not just theology, but they had the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see in our churches today that it's, it's seemingly either or. Most churches that are represented, I'm in Atlanta, I'm in Metro Atlanta, so I'm down here in the thick of the Bible Belt. Now, I've been a Christian since 1994, but I've been in church um, since my childhood. I'm 50 years old now, and since childhood, I have been connected either loosely or intensely with local churches, and this is what I found out down here in the Bible Belt. I'm not sure how it is where you live, but you kind of have to pick. You've got word churches or you've got Holy Spirit churches. And that's the divorce I'm talking about. First century church, word and spirit, spirit and truth. First century, that was clear. Apostolic doctrine and the miraculous power and the gifting supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It, it wasn't controversial back then. It wasn't negotiable back then. That's just who they were and how they operated. But here we are 2,000 years later, and you've got some, some Christians that say, 
Well, we don't want to be bothered by that theology. That theology just gets in the way. They sometimes term it as, ah, it's just man's religion, and we just need the power of the Holy Spirit. So they minimize what God maximized in the first century. They minimized that, the word in the 21st century. Then the other side of the aisle are, are those that say, oh, we don't need all that hoopla from the Holy Spirit. We've got the word of God. We've got theology. We've got doctrine. We don't need to have all the supernatural signs and wonders. Many of those same people would tell you that supernatural work of the Holy Spirit stopped at the end of the first century. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a different podcast because frankly, the Bible teaches that nowhere. The Bible nowhere divorces word and spirit for the people of God. The Bible, God's heart, his revelation is that we, his people would always be people of the word and people of the spirit. Do you remember when Jesus in John chapter four was talking to the woman at the well? And when he started talking to her about her living situation, because she was living with somebody she wasn't married to, and she had a little bit of a loose background, she changed the subject. She, she purposefully brought up a divisive subject, and that subject was the difference between how the Jews worshipped and the Samaritans worshipped. And she was a Samaritan. And so she kind of changed the subject so she didn't have to talk about her sin with Jesus. But he said this. He said to her, the hour is coming. This is in John chapter 4, verse 23. He said, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now get that. Jesus established something during his earthly ministry. He said, the father, God, the father is seeking people to worship him in both spirit and truth. So the heart of God never changes. And if God in the first century, in the time of Jesus was seeking people to worship him, according to spirit, the Holy spirit moving in our human spirit, and also the word, the truth, if that was the case in the first century, why do we believe anything has changed? And yet, if we're being honest, we're looking at our churches today, and it's very clear to me, you've got churches that force us to pick. Um, my background is very diverse denominationally, but I grew up primarily in very conservative churches that would, if they leaned one way or another, they're definitely going to lean towards Bible, 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 Bible. And quite frankly, I'm very grateful that I grew up with the foundation of the authority of the scriptures being laid first in my life. However, the problem was that the same churches that I went to often dismissed or at least diminished the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had no supernatural encounters with God until well after I was saved. And as a matter of fact, shortly after I was saved at the age of 24, uh, the guy who led me to Christ, who was my boss, he placed me in a church that was very close to my apartment. He said, you need a church that preaches the word. And I said, okay, he's my mentor. He's my spiritual father. Let me get into this church where they preach the word. Well, what I didn't know, and again, I didn't have any real theological foundation at that point, but within months of my salvation, I was being told that all of the supernatural works of the Holy Spirit had ceased at the end of the first century. And it was presented to me in terms of, Jeff, what you need is the word of God. You don't need tongues. You don't need prophecy. You don't need signs. You don't need wonders. And those things were somewhat pounded into me. And sadly for me, I, I didn't have any reason to argue with it. I didn't know. So I bought it hook, line, and sinker as a brand new Christian. And for probably the first couple of years, several years of my Christian life, I was what was called a cessationist. 
A cessationist is a person who believes that the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased somewhere around the end of the first century when the apostles passed off the scene or the canon of scripture, the New Testament writings were completed. And so I I became part of the cessationist camp to the extent that I thought charismatics were out of the will of God. And charismatics, if you're new to the term, is simply a word that derives from charismata, which is the plural Greek word for gifts or the things of the Holy Spirit, grace gifts. And so things like tongues and prophecy and healings and words of knowledge, words of wisdom, interpretation of tongues and so on, I I just was taught and I believed and I even began to preach that these things were no longer necessary. They were no longer important. Why? Because we had the Word of God, and the Word of God is all that we need. It's very interesting to me that the same Bible that I was believing and reading and studying and preaching actually contains a verse from the Apostle Paul, and he says this in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He says, The kingdom of God does not consist in word only, but in power. So right there in the Bible that I believed and was preaching and teaching, there are there's so many statements that are, are rightly interpreted say, no, we need both. It's not just talking. It's not just the word. It's not just our words. It, it, the kingdom of God is manifest in power. Paul would say in a, a later in that same letter of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5, he said, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so what started hitting me as I became deeper and deeper in my own personal studies, I started reading the word and I wasn't so much being swayed by what had been taught me by well-intending people who love the Lord and love me. They were just wrong on this issue. But they had taught me that we don't need the gifts of the Spirit. They've ceased. Don't waste your time with them. Those charismatic people are off track. Jeff, we are a word camp. We're a word-only camp. All we need is the Word of God and so on and so on. And, but as I studied the very Bible that we were taught to reverence, I realized the Bible doesn't actually teach this. The Bible doesn't actually teach that the gifts stopped at the end of the first century. The, the Bible never says that one day it will just be word only. It never says that. And yet that was a major theme in what was taught in, in the denominational circles I was running in in the 1990s because that was what our camp believed. So what happened to me? What happened to change my mind? Well, I'll tell you this. I continued studying the Word of God, and this is why it's so important. And if you ask me now, Jeff, what camp are you in? Well, I like to try to take the high ground and say that I'm not in a camp. I'm I'm a Bible-believing, New Testament Christian. That's really my answer. But I understand that people want to—we're addicted to labels. Um, I don't receive any labels, but for the sake of clarity, I I would say this. I fall into the charismatic camp. Why? Because I believe in the charismata. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't just believe in them. I do what the scriptures say. I pursue eagerly spiritual gifts, especially that I might prophesy. And so the Bible that we love teaches us go after the spiritual gifts. Isn't that amazing, by the way? The the Bible doesn't say dismiss the gifts. The Bible says hunger for them, seek the gifts, and above all things, seek that you may prophesy. And so when I started reading in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Romans uh, chapter number 12, and 1 Peter chapter 4, and Ephesians chapter 4, those chapters that are so crucial to understanding spiritual gifts, I started getting deeply convicted 
I said to myself, my goodness, what I've been taught is unbiblical. I love my Bible. I have to honor what the word of God says. I'm a Bible man. And because I was a Bible man, I started finding out that what the Bible says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is very different than what my denomination taught me. And so I've found myself in a dilemma. By the way, this was before I was a lead pastor, but I was already on staff at the church where I was serving. And I started realizing, oh my goodness, my Bible is framing up my convictions and my theology now, and it no longer fits with my denominational expectations. And so it was an awkward season for me, but I came to the conclusion theologically that we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the first century church needed the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They needed apostolic doctrine, which would become the written word of God for you and I living in our day. And if they needed the power of the Holy Spirit and the written word of God, then why do I think I only need one of those two things? And so I became theologically unconvinced of the doctrine of cessationism. I no longer was a cessationist. I believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But interestingly enough, I had not experienced anything that I would call overly supernatural, uh, at least that I recognized at that time. Now, listen, the fruit of the Spirit was evident in my life, and we had some powerfully moving emotional worship services. The, there is a certain lie among charismatics that says, oh, all those word churches are dead. We, we need to be a, a whole lot wiser than to label and judge our word brothers and denominations that don't necessarily operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You don't have the right, nor do I, to label them as dead churches. Churches. They may be incomplete, but they're not necessarily dead. We were not dead. God was saving souls. People were getting baptized. The church was growing. Many amazing things were happening. But I'm going to be honest with you. We didn't see deliverances. We didn't see strongholds getting broken. We didn't see people getting words of knowledge or prophetic words being received and released. Tongues was absolutely out of the question. And we were literally taught that tongues at best was something that came from the flesh, but at worst, it was demonically fueled. And so we, you know, our denomination was just wrong on these things, but that's where I was. And so when, when they made me the lead pastor of our church at that time, um, this would have been in the year 2002, November of 2002. Uh, my pastor resigned. I became the lead pastor. I was uh, 32 years old. So I was a young guy and I became the lead pastor. And here I was theologically convinced that the gifts of the spirit were absolutely legitimate, even though our denomination in our local church, even in our bylaws, we had statements that said, you can't speak in tongues. You can't get into the charismatic movement. I mean, there were actually things in our encoded church bylaws that said that. So I'm in a pickle. God, God will place you right in the middle of impossible circumstances. Don't ever think that God won't give you more than you can handle. That is not in the Bible. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle. And he did me. And so I'm sitting three months after I became the lead pastor, I'm sitting in my office for early morning prayer. And uh, I did that every day, very disciplined, very early in the morning, got out my Bible. I would read, I would listen to worship music, and then I would spend about 45 minutes to an hour praying. Well, on this particular morning in February of the year 2003, just a few months after I became the lead pastor, um, I'm praying and I began to feel within me massive joy bubbling up inside of me as I worshiped, as I prayed. I felt something at a level I'd never felt before, and it was extreme joy. And so as that joy just began to flood me, the, the atmosphere in my office just began to shift. And 
I, I couldn't put my finger on it in the moment. I just knew I, I was enjoying the presence of the Lord. Well, as I'm praying in English, which is the only language I ever prayed in, maybe a little Spanish back in those times, but mostly in English, I began to pray in words and sounds that I had never prayed before, a language that I had never spoken before. I didn't recognize it as any known language. I just knew it was coming out of my mouth, off my tongue, and between my lips and out into the air. And I'll just be honest with you, because I had never been around tongues in my life. Never. Well, let me take that back. For one short instance, as a grade schooler, my mom took me to a charismatic church, and uh, I heard them speak in tongues, and I was actually confused by it as a boy. So that was my only exposure to tongues. So I didn't have anybody laying hands on me in my office. I didn't have anybody coaching me in how to speak in tongues. I want you to hear this. I was sovereignly ambushed by the Spirit of God in my office as a denominational pastor who, whose church did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And yet there I was speaking in tongues for the very first time in my life as a sovereign act and move of the Holy Spirit. It blew my mind. I wish I could tell you that I responded in great vigor and courage and immediately transitioned our church into um, a charismatic assembly that pursued the gifts of the Spirit. If I told you that, I would be lying. I did none of that. And what actually I ended up doing was saying to the Lord, Lord, I can't speak in tongues because my denomination doesn't allow it and I will split this church. And so I convinced myself that that was prudence and wisdom and being a mature leader. But looking back on it, I think it was maybe about 10% wisdom and maturity and about 90, 80, 90% fear of man. And so I told the Lord, Lord, I can't do this. And for a couple of years, I never did pray in tongues again. Um, the church continued to grow. People were still being saved. God's hand was still on the ministry. But I knew in my heart of hearts that I had quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit. I knew that I was living beneath what God was offering me, and I was doing it in order to keep the peace, in order not to make waves. Well, long story short, I got to the place in ministry where I could no longer do things on my own. The church was growing. People were coming. The pastoral load was so hard, and we were getting ready to explore moving to a new location. This would have been about the year 2005. And I reached a breaking point where I just prayed in that same office. I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Jesus, I cannot carry this church in my own strength. I need whatever you have. I know that I grieved and quenched you, Holy Spirit, but whatever you want for me, I want. If you want me to speak in tongues, I'll speak in tongues. If you want me to prophesy, I'll prophesy. If you want me to stand in the pulpit on Sunday and tell everybody that I'm a tongue-talking church, uh, tongue-talking pastor and Christian, then I'll do it. And what's amazing is in that prayer time where I surrendered to the Lord, it was during that prayer time that the gift of tongues and praying in tongues in particular came back into my life and has never left me since. That would have been the year 2005. Today's recording is in the end of year 2020. And I'm going to tell you the gifts of the Spirit reawakened in my life that day in 2005. And I became convinced that this is the will of God for every believer. So what happened? Well, a long story short, you span the next several years and God led me to lead our church, same church, same denomination. We moved to a new location and I knew that it was time to come out of the charismatic closet. That's what I called it. Um, it was time for me to come out of hiding and time for me to let the people know here is what the word of God says. 
And what drove me to do that? Uh, not because I watched some television network, you know, funded by Charismatics. I didn't go to a conference that said, bless God, your people need to speak in tongues and prophesy. I, I didn't do any of those things. It wasn't really um, led by something external. It was the internal witness of the Holy Spirit that said, now's the time. And so I got with our elders and I told them, guys, we believe the Bible on every the doctrine and theology, do we not? And all of the men said, yes, we absolutely do. I said, guys, we believe wrongly about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You men are cessationists. I'm going to tell you, guys, I've not been a cessationist for years. I've never been a theological cessationist since I've pastored this church. And I want you to know that I want to teach 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. I'm going to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to take out all of our denominational expectations, and we're going to let the word speak to this issue. And all of the men happily agreed in that first meeting. It was a great meeting. They said, yeah, pastor, go ahead, do that. That, that sounds great. I think we need to know what the Bible says. Well, by the time I got done with the third message in that series, they called another meeting with me, and they said, you got to quit preaching this stuff. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was funny now, but it wasn't funny then. It was very intense. And they said, Jeff, you're, you're teaching heresy. These gifts have disappeared. We can't do this. Well, you can imagine what happened. Um, I said, well, if I'm going to be the pastor here, I'm going to preach the word of God and I'm not going to compromise. So I can either resign or I can finish this series. And they said, well, we don't want you to resign. And I said, well, good. And they said, but we're resigning. Yep, that's exactly right. So in that meeting, three of our, I think, six elders resigned and they took about a third of the church with them. Now, you may know the name R.T. Kendall. If you don't, you should. You should read anything you can by Dr. R.T. Kendall. He is now in his 80s, and he's a pioneer in this area, helping conservative churches step into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Well, I happened to have a lunch with Dr. R.T. Kendall in Asheville, North Carolina, and I told him, I said, I'm a denominational preacher. I said, God's leading me to lead our church into the things of the Spirit. I need wisdom for this, Dr. Kendall. And he said, young man, tell me a couple of things. I said, speak on. He said, are you willing to bear the stigma of being called a charismatic? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, good. Go home, preach the word of God on the gifts of the spirit, and you will lose one third of your church. When you lose one third of the congregation, you will be stronger and the church will begin to grow. Now, friends, here's the prophetic word. That was the prophetic word given by Dr. R.T. Kendall. He was exactly right. When all of the dust settled, we lost almost to the exact number, one-third of our church over this issue. The elders that left, a couple of them left uh, in a way that led other people out of the church. And we lost a third of our folks, but the two-thirds that remained became filled with the Spirit. Not necessarily all of them, but the church itself became a brand new, different, dynamic assembly. And they were hungry for the things of the Spirit, and we were being moved by God in a childlike faith to press into the Lord. And what happened is our denominational church became a church where the word and the spirit were remarried. You see, that's what needs to happen before the coming of the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for a church that is no longer having to be choosing between word and spirit, but is choosing both word and spirit. That is the way the first century church was. That's the way the church is intended to be for all of the centuries that followed. And that's one of the works that the Lord is doing right now. And so most of you that are listening, especially on this network, you, you're charismatic. Nobody's got to convince you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I applaud you in that. But your struggle may be the other side of the coin. How is the relationship between you and your Bible? 
How do you feel when a pastor or a teacher or a preacher or a prophet gets up and opens the Bible and teaches you from the Bible? It's not a rhema word necessarily, but it's a didactic teaching. That means they actually teach the verses of the Bible. Do you yawn? Do you get bored? Do you have this instinct that says, man, that's just dry, dead theology and religion. We don't need any of that. Well, friends, I'm going to tell you, just as wrong as I used to be about the gifts of the Spirit, I will boldly say you're wrong about the Word of God. Because remember, the Father is now seeking those worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. And we don't want our faith to rest in the wisdom of man, but the Bible is not the wisdom of man. The Bible is the wisdom of God and the revelation of God. And so as you listen to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find this theme repeated over and over again. I'm going to be constantly pointing you back to your Bible, and I'm going to be constantly calling you to look up and call out that the Holy Spirit can fill you more than he's ever filled you. I, I say it this way. He drills you, then he fills you, then he spills you, and then he thrills you. That's, the, that's been the method that he's used in my life. He drills me. He humbles me. And then he fills me wherever he drills a hole in me. He fills it up with revelation, with word, with power, with all of it. And then he spills me. That means he takes what he gives me and he spills it into other people's lives. And, and when that happens, he's thrilling me. Can't you imagine a Christian life like that for yourself? Drilled, filled, spilled, and therefore thrilled. Now, I hope you'll consider these things. My time's up for today, and I'm so grateful that you've tuned in. Listen, keep tuning in, and we're going to go and continue this journey. I'm going to tell you a little bit more as time goes on. If you want to really get the unpacked story of how I ended up from a denominationally Baptist preacher to ending up being a spirit-filled, charismatic preacher who loves his Bible, I want to encourage you to get my copy of my book. It's called Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go anywhere that books are sold. You can get it on audio at audible.com where I narrate it, or you can get a printed version on amazon.com. You can get an ebook version on iBooks, or you can get it directly from us. If you'll go to jefflyle.com, that's my name, jefflyle.com. You can order it right there off the website and we'll have it to you in just a matter of days. But if you want to know more about how I became this uh, kind of weird maverick misfit hybrid. Um, that book is going to unpack it all and it talks about my deliverance from addiction. It talks about my overcoming the abandonment of my childhood and the demonic influence in my life. I encourage you to grab a copy of Figuring Out as I go. Listen, my time's gone. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're edified and encouraged by what you heard today. And if so, tell others. And until next time, may Jesus Christ be reigning over your life because you become a worshiper in both word and spirit. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.